Well, good evening. Welcome to 5 o'clock service at Faith Assembly. How many are excited to be in church tonight? Yeah, I'll give you an opportunity there to... We're glad you've joined us. Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to take a look as we are jumping right in again to our summer road trip as we are uh, winding down. We're more than halfway through, and uh, not only are we more than halfway through the summer road trip, summer is almost over, not by the calendar uh, that the summer is ending, but by in a couple weeks, students will be back to school. How many are looking forward to going back to school? There's only a couple teams. Yeah, we got a couple. How many wish you could go back to school? Is there anybody who really, yeah, you, a couple of you would, would really wish you could go back to school. Well, we're continuing uh, this series, and this has been our journey of growing to know Jesus better than we've known him before. That our, our desire is not to have a faith that grows, but our knowledge in God that grows. We don't need growing faith, we need producing faith. That we don't need to grow our faith, we need to grow our knowledge of God. And as we grow in our knowledge of God, he causes our faith uh, to produce and to be more productive. And uh, so we've been continuing this. We've looked in 2 Peter chapter 1. We've called this our roadmap. Uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, Peter tells us we're to add to our faith. And he lists these seven things. And uh, we're looking each week at these items. And uh, today we're continuing. Last week we looked at patient endurance because we are people who need to practice patience. And how many are still practicing patience and you're going to have to practice some more tomorrow and next week and it is something that we are always engaging in developing this week we're continuing we're going to be talking about godliness he says that we're to add to our patience that we're to add godliness I want to take a look at Luke chapter 1 and so this morning or this evening whether you're following along with your Bible or your your uh, your phone can we stand together and look at God's word we're going to look at Luke chapter 1 and we're going to read a text that would seem to be out of season but we're going to look at the uh, always in season, uh, 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 just a rev, uh, relevant truth that we find in this scripture. But in Luke chapter 1, we know a story that can be rather familiar to us. But here's what it says. And I want to look at the life of Mary in our lives producing godliness. Verse 26, Luke chapter 1. Are you ready for the word? How many believe the word of God is life changing? How many want to be changed by the word of God? How many think your neighbor needs to be changed by the word of God? Why did you say amen louder on that one than the other one? But Here we go, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. How many know this story? How many have ever heard this story before? All right, I didn't think we were pulling something out of left field. This wasn't the story of, of uh, you know, uh, that, that odd story that you never heard about. At Sunday school, they never hit because it's just a small tuck away story in the Old Testament. This one we're most of us familiar with. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. How many think that it's good to know that God is with you? How many are thankful tonight to know that God is with you? The Bible says here, and listen, he tells her, he says, the Lord is with you. Verse 29, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean or what she was talking about. 
Notice this, that he brings her good news to say the Lord is with you, but she's confused and disturbed. Why? Because she has a moment where she hears the message, the Lord is with you, but what she hears doesn't line up with what she sees. How many have ever been in a place where you know in your, in your heart that God is with you, but you don't see it in your circumstance? How many have ever been there? This doesn't, mean, this doesn't match what I'm going through. I know and I hear that God is with me, but it doesn't look like it at the moment. It doesn't seem like the circumstance circumstances that I'm seeing around me it says confused and disturbed she wondered what the angel meant don't be afraid Mary the angel told her for you have found favor with God you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever his kingdom will never end aren't you grateful that we still serve the king whose kingdom will never end. His name is Jesus Christ. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Or another translation, for nothing is impossible with God. How many know that the word of God, when it goes forth, it will produce what he has sent for it to do. The word of God will not fail because nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come come true. Father, tonight, we thank you for the journey that you're leading us on. We pray that you would give us a heart to hear your word and, Lord, to respond that we might follow you to where you desire to take us. God, I pray that we would grow in our knowledge of you, that our faith would be productive in these days. So, God, I pray, help us, Lord, to grow in godliness tonight. As we look at your word, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Before you're seated, find someone, just tell them this title tonight. Tell them this, you're showing signs. Just tell them that. Just tell them you're showing signs. Let it be a word of encouragement. You may be seated tonight. You are showing signs. Showing signs. Anytime I'm traveling, I enjoy watching and looking for the signs that let me know I'm headed in the right way and I'm making progress. If I'm going somewhere that I'm familiar with, I don't usually look at the signs because I'm familiar with that route. I know where I am, the landmarks and things that are around me. I know where I'm headed. But when I travel a place I've never been before, I look at signs because the signs indicate that I'm making progress. They're showing signs of progress. If I'm on a road and a travel that I've never been before, I see the sign and it tells me the city that's next and it puts that number beside of how many miles to that city and how many know that the further I go, I look for the next sign and I expect that number that I'm reading next to that city for it to decrease, that I'm making progress. It's showing me that I'm heading in the right direction. It becomes an indication of something that is taking place. It's showing signs. I want to look this evening and and look at this journey that we come to a point where we have to acknowledge that we are seeing, not only we ourselves, but that others are seeing the signs of our progress. 2 Peter chapter 1, and we already looked at this text as our, our, our theme verse for this series that we're in. And we, we've already said this is our roadmap that is setting the direction of, of how we're going. And he says to us that we're to add to our faith in 2 Peter 
chapter, uh, chapter 1, he says, add to your faith, and he lists these items. Now notice what he says to add. He says, add to your faith moral excellence, and to moral excellence, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, patient endurance, and to patient endurance, godliness. If you notice that as it's moving along, everything that you add to faith, it all starts on the inside. You add moral excellence. Moral excellence might be able to see the effects of moral excellence, but really moral excellence is a way of thinking. It's, it's the, the direction that we set in our heart. Knowledge is the same. That when you add knowledge to it, you can't really see someone's knowledge. You don't know what someone knows. They can show the effects of their knowledge, but it becomes an inward thing. And even self-control. When you practice self-control, you, you might recognize someone has self-control, but in true self-control, it's not recognized because it means someone subdues themselves. They bring themselves to restrain. They hold back. And by restraining, they're practicing self-control. And how many know there have been moments you held your tongue and no one even knew you held your tongue? When you operate in self-control, it's stuff that happens on the inside. It affects the outside, but nobody really knows what's going on in the inside. You follow me tonight? You know that you're, you have knowledge that's on the inside. Moral excellence, it's on the inside. It produces on the outside, but it starts on the inside. But when we get to this godliness, this is a moment where it begins to break the surface. Your faith is on the inside of you, and you respond to the faith that God has given you. And you add these items, and they are on the inside. But when we get to godliness that add to patient endurance, godliness. I believe this, and we're looking the next two weeks as we wrap this up, brotherly kindness and then love for one another. These are items now that our faith is breaking the surface and now it's beginning to be exposed and what comes out of us becomes evident signs of things that are happening on the inside of us. Our faith needs to reach a point where it breaks the surface and it's no longer just something that we have on the inside but it begins to break through and it causes an effect and lets it be evident on the outside. How many know what I'm talking about tonight? That faith ought to reach a point where it becomes evident. It's shown by the way that we we live. Our faith needs to become evident, and when we are adding godliness to our lives, that is a faith breaking the surface, and it's coming to a place where it becomes evident. It starts showing signs. Like a woman who gets a message from the angel that says, you're about to have a child. How many know when she got those words, and she said, let it be unto me? How many know in a couple months, she started to show signs? Why? Because what happens on the inside sooner or later has to be shown on the outside. Whether it's good or bad, whatever happens on the inside, whatever's going on on the inside, over time, eventually, whatever's on the inside cannot help but come through and be expressed and exposed to the outside. Someone who might be be in a a place of, uh, of anger. How many realize that if anger is something that someone deals with, They don't just get angry in the moment. How many know that that anger is spawned from something that's been going on on the inside? There's something on the inside that over time that it can no longer stay on the inside. It begins to break through and it begins to be seen. Something on the inside will always break through and be seen on the outside. When it comes to our faith, we want the things of God to not just be something going on the inside of us, but we reach a place and it breaks the surface. Our world needs a church of people who rise up and allow godliness to break the surface. That we don't just have, have a, a belief in God that is kept within our homes, within our church 
church, but it's lived out in every way that we are, that we are showing signs in our lives of representing who God is, having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our world needs to see godliness in action. Do you agree with that tonight? That our world needs to see godliness that's expressed and and godliness that's shown. It's our journey of progress and what we want to experience in, in our lives that we're showing the signs. Take a look at Mary here, this story that we don't know anything of Mary until this moment. You don't hear of her at any other point in time. But this woman chosen of God to carry the Son of God. She is met by an angel in a place where she had lived, in her, in her village, in, in the Galilee, the area where, where she had grown up a place where she belonged, and here she is, and we know her to be strong, we know her to be brave, we know her to be willing to to honor God and what she went through because of what she availed herself to God to, to, to do as a virgin to carry a child. Now, some of us might be thinking, that is impossible. Well, that's why we believe this, that nothing is impossible with God. God is able to do the impossible. But here's Mary, that she is in a place, and notice that she is living in a culture that does not honor women. Not only does it not honor women, she's not only in a place of uh, of being a woman, but she's not married. She's not connected to anyone of influence. And on top of it, she lives in a culture that is controlled by Roman rule. The Roman rule put against the, 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 the Jews and her people that they literally were barbaric in nature that they would kill because of, of, of retribution, of trying to get payment back if the taxes weren't paid and things that were taking place. Here's Mary in the midst of her world that's happening. They have been waiting for a Messiah, someone to come and deliver their people for hundreds of years. They had heard these words for a long time, but have not seen anything. And Mary gets a word from the angel. The angel says, the Lord is with you. And Mary would have heard those words, and we already read it, that she was confused and disturbed because the angel said, the Lord is with you. And she would have said back, she didn't say anything, but in her mind when she's confused, she's saying, the Lord's with me. Then why, and why is it in this moment, does it feel like things are getting worse before they get better? Why does it seem like Rome is overtaking and they're, they're killing our, 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 our husbands, our children, our men? They're taking from us. They're taking the land. They're overtaking and we're losing in this whole thing. Why does it seem like everything's going the wrong direction? Have you ever had moments where it feels like it's getting worse before it gets better? You're trusting God, holding on, believing God, and in the faith and believing that something's going to work out, it feels like it's getting worse before it gets better. It feels like the things you believe for and want to see changed, it just continues in the same pattern. The Lord says to her, or the angel says to her, the Lord is with you. And here's Mary in this, in, in this place of, of difficulty, this place of wanting to trust God. Sometimes in our lives we live in a place where things are without a doubt seeming to get worse before they get better. We live in a world that has darkness. But how many know that the light of Jesus Christ is still greater than the darkness that's in this world? What looks like things that are out of control, we still serve a God who holds all things in his control. A God who still orders. I love, even as as Matt said tonight, 
just that he is a God who commands all things and we follow his command. And I thank God that we respond to the command of God. But when, when Matt prayed that tonight and we said those words, I also recognize it's not just us responding to the command of God, but it's also our world response to the command of God. That he is in control. His word will not return void. When he speaks it, it will be just like he said it would. That when he said that there's hope, that when he said that he's always with us, when he said that he'll work all things out on our behalf, he is a God who we can hold on to and we can trust his words because the faith that we have needs to be held on and it starts to come out. That what's on the inside begins to break the surface and it begins to be seen on the outside. That, I believe, is godliness. Let me just give you the def, not not just a definition, but a picture of godliness. Here are the two things that put that, that put together what godliness in, is in our life. Number one, it's a recognition of God's greatness, and it's a reflection of God's glory. It's the recognition of God's greatness when you acknowledge and you recognize that God is great. We all know tonight that God is going to be great whether you recognize His greatness or not. He's always going to be great. The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But we have this privilege today to not just just be under a God who is great, but to acknowledge the greatness of our God, to know the greatness of our God, to recognize how great He is. And when we recognize how great He is, we reflect that greatness, His glory to our world. The recognition of His greatness and the reflection of His glory to our world is what godliness is all about. It's to respect and reflect. You could just sum it up in those two words that godliness means to respect the word of God and to reflect the word of God in our life. When we respect God and we reflect God, the reflection that comes out, that is an act of godliness. It's something that is put forth that in our lives we need to have these signs, just like Mary who received the word that she would conceive a child. And in the months to come, she would begin to show signs of carrying that child. May it be of us that God has given us a promise and God says that he will be glorified in our circumstance. Whatever you're going through, I want you to know tonight, whatever you face, God will be glorified in your life because his word will not return void. Now, I didn't say it's going to happen just like you wanted. I didn't say to you it's going to go just like you planned because we talked about that last week that sometimes our plans sink in the ocean but how many know that he is a rescuer and it's not about our plans we don't, we don't have endurance uh, we, we sometimes give up hope because it doesn't go the way we hoped or the way we think but when we hold on to hope we go according to God's promise and his word that will be brought in our, out in our lives that we are at a place that sometimes in life's moments when it feels like it's getting worse before it's getting better that we hold on and we allow God's provision to bring us his promise to come about in our lives and to watch God's work take place that there's these signs of trusting God just like Mary she showed the signs of what was going on on the inside of her I want to identify some signs tonight these are not going to be all inclusive but just looking from this text tonight that I want to give us some signs that that I think would help us to Look and ask ourselves, are we showing the signs of godliness? Are we representing the glory of God to our world? Do we know God's word? Have we recognized God's word and his promise? And are we reflecting? Is that all right if we do that tonight? You can write, some, you can write these things down. There's only four of them. Like I said, this isn't all-inclusive. These aren't in any particular order. But I just want to identify four things tonight from this scripture. Here's number one. Here's the first sign I want to look at. 
The first sign of us showing the signs of godliness is that we are graceful. When you think of graceful, it means to be nimble, to, to be able to walk appropriately. It has the ability to not be clumsy. You, you might have had moments where you're not as graceful as you wish you would be. There, there might be times that you wake up in the dark and your, your, uh, your little toe wishes you would have been more graceful and turned the lights on so that you would not have found that corner of whatever it was that you kicked. And how many know that little toe can feel a lot of pain and cause some shouts of praise, I hope, to come out of your mouth in those moments because little things have a big impact. Sometimes we, the way we walk represents the grace. You know, God wants us to walk in such a way that represents Him. I grew up a black and gold fan all my life. Uh, I was not from Western PA. I grew up in Central PA, but my family is originally from Western PA. And so I have been a black and gold fan all my life. And so when I see black and gold, even to this day, it identifies with me. And that person that's wearing that black and gold, I don't know their name, but in that moment, I feel like they're one of, they're, they're, we're, we're in a family connection. How many know what I'm talking about? I can be traveling to Chicago or, or any place that I am, and if I see the black and gold colors, it doesn't even have to have the Steeler or the Pirates or the, the logo or the emblem. It's just black and gold. And I immediately look and feel this connection. There's an identity. It stands out. Why? Because my eyes are conditioned to look for those things that I identify with. Those of you that are car guys, any car guys in the room tonight? Any of you car guys? Yeah, any car gals? There might be some car gals that are here as well. I am not a car guy. There are some guys, they're like, did you see that car? And I'm like, there's only a lot of them. Pick one. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't matter to me. That's not like, it doesn't, doesn't I don't identify that. But whenever there's something of interest to you, how many know your eyes are drawn to the things that you take interest in? And when your eyes are drawn to those things, it gets your attention. I want you to see this, that when we walk with grace in our life, when we live with grace in our life, God looks and he says, I identify with that. That's, a, that's what I'm about. I identify with what's going on in that person. Notice the Bible says that Mary found favor in the Lord's eyes. But also you can look back at Genesis and it says of Noah, living in a corrupt world, a world that God even said, I'm, I'm sorry that I even created man because of the sin that was flourishing. And here's Noah. And God says this, that when he's planning to destroy the world, he looks of Noah and the Bible says, but Noah found grace or favor. They're the same words. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Because God looked and he said, I represent or I identify what that what is lived out in that person. The Bible tells us that the eyes of the Lord are looking about and God is seeking and he's looking for those who he can bless. He wants to see if there's anybody walking with grace like he's about. If they have the grace of God and it begins to come through in our lives when we are people who are grace. There's also another man that the Bible says that God identifies with and his name was David. The Bible says this of David that he found the the attention of God and, and God said this, I found David. And he is a man after my own heart. David. You know David, the one who went up on the balcony to participate in that day and times type of pornography? David. David, who when he went up on the top of the roof, saw a woman bathing and called for that woman and committed adultery with that woman. That David. The one who, after that woman became pregnant, had to clean up his mess because he's king. And his best option that he came up with was to kill the husband of the wife that he had committed adultery with. That David, 
The David who is messed up in his in, in flaws and things that he's done. God says of that man, even afterwards, I have found David to be a man after my own heart. If you try to balance that out and rationalize that in your mind, how many know that'll take you, that, that'll cause you to get all messed up and crazy because in our way of understanding, we can't think the same way. We don't understand how that balances out. But God says he's a man after my own heart. And I've often think of this and recognize, number one, God is a God of grace. Aren't you thankful he's a God of grace? I mean, if he can forgive David and call him a man after his own heart while in the, New Te- in the Old Testament, what hope there is for us who live in the, in the, 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 the grace and the, the provision of Jesus Christ. But here's David. And God says, I find him to be a man after my own heart. If you know some things about David, number one, David was a worshiper. David recognized God. But here's what he also does. In Samuel, it says of David that he wanted to bless someone from the house of Saul. And there's a scripture that says of of his attitude in 2 Samuel 9. David went about looking for someone to bless from Saul's family. Now let me just tell you who Saul was. Saul was the first king of Israel. And Saul became jealous about David. And Saul wanted to kill David. He tried to kill him on a couple of occasions. But David survives. Saul ends up killing himself. And this whole thing that unwinds, David becomes king. And David says, I want to bless someone. Listen what David says in in this text in 2 Samuel 9. He says, is there someone that I can bless? And they said, there's there's a, a man named Mephibosheth. He is Jonathan's son, who is Saul's grandson. And David goes to bless him. And in verse 7 of chapter 9, it says, Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. I I don't know if you catch that. I think the scripture's up on the screen here. I don't know if you catch that in this, this, this text, what he's saying here. There is a promise. There's a promise to bless him. There's a promise to bless Mephibosheth. And notice what he says. He says, I am keeping the promise that I made to your father. I'm going to give you all the property and you will sit at the king's table. How many notice that that is an expression of what God has done for us? God says to us, I'm keeping my promise that I made to your father. Your father Abraham, father Isaac. I'm keeping the promise that I made to your fathers. I'm going to give you property. I'm going to give you a place of belonging. And you can have a seat at the king's table. How many know that's what Jesus Christ has done for us? David, I believe this is why David was a man after God's own heart. Not because of what he did, but because of how he treated people. He had the heart of God to say, I want to bless. We are people who want grace. We love grace. Aren't you thankful for grace? I want to challenge us to not just be people who receive grace, but to be people who give grace. When we give grace, listen, godliness is not so much, write this down, godliness is not so much about doing the right things as it is about loving people the right way. 
Godliness is not so much, is not first about doing the right things. Yes, it's about doing right things. If you're going to be godly, you're going to do the right things. But being godly is not first about doing the right things before it is about loving people the right way. Because when we treat people the right way, that is the expression. When we have grace, when we allow grace to be poured out, when we come to a place and we step in to understand, and there are times that people frustrate us. Raise your hand if you've ever been frustrated by somebody. You're so brave to raise your hand because they might be sitting right beside you. But maybe the wisdom is this. If they frustrated you, it's probably a good chance that you have frustrated them at some point in life. There's this reality. And we can oftentimes get frustrated by what people do. You know what it's like when, when you would, would recognize and say, I can't stand when this happens. I, can't, I, I don't like when they do this. But there's a reality that healing begins to happen, not when we just get frustrated at what someone is doing, but when we begin to understand why someone is doing it. Because when we're just frustrated by the what, we never allow grace to enter, and we never allow healing to take place because we just get bothered by the what, and we never step in to answer the why. Can I tell you this tonight? I'm so thankful that God didn't stay up in heaven and say, I've given you the laws. I told you all what to do. Get it figured out. And you're not going to have anything until you get your act together. But God didn't just stay up in heaven and say the law is enough. He stepped down and gave his son. And Jesus walked into our, our, our calamity, our difficulty. Jesus became like us. And he lived in our world. And he made a way. He could have stayed in the th- on the throne. But he left that behind to come to where we were. Why? Because Because he is a God of grace. And if we're going to have godliness in our lives, one of the signs is that we become people of grace. Rather than quickly being bothered by what's going on, we're people who begin to say, God, help me understand. Help me to become part of the solution. Help me to step into a world of being able to have grace and understanding. Rather than being quickly offended, let me be quick with grace. Instead of being quick with offense being quick to respond with grace. It's so easy to be offended. It's so easy to be bothered. It's so easy to be turned off by what's taking place or what someone does. And all the while, we get hung up on the what. If we would not be so quick to have offense, but be quicker to have grace. That when we operate in grace, how many would agree tonight that that's when we're becoming more like God? It's a sign of godliness developing in our life. It's a sign of godliness that when we have grace, and here's what I believe of David, he was a man after God's own heart because he worshiped God and also because he was kind. He had a heart of kindness to reflect the glory of God. When we become people who recognize the greatness of God and we respond to represent God to the world that's around us, that's graceful. If we're going to have, have a sign of being godly, It's graceful. Let me give you number two. Here's number two what I see from this text. We need to be unusual. Some of you got that covered. You're done. You got that. The Bible says in in Peter, 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, but you are not like that. He's making a distinction. There's the way the world does things. And the way the world does things, Peter says this. He said, but you're not like that, for you are a chosen people or a peculiar people. Just look at your neighbor right now and tell them you're peculiar. Just tell them that right now. There's someone in the room that just said, well, I don't have to tell you. You know already. You, you already know who you are. You're, the Bible says that we're peculiar. We're, we're a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own 
possession. We're set apart unto God. That we live our lives in an unusual manner. Now, by unusual, I don't mean strange, just in itself strange. But I mean unusual in that it doesn't line up with the ordinary and the common in our world. Mary makes herself available to God. And what does God, the the angel of the Lord says, you're a virgin. Mary already said that. Listen, I've got a problem here. How can this work? How can this work? I'm a virgin. And the angel says that the Lord will make it happen, that that the Holy Spirit would come upon her. And the Lord, the, the Holy Spirit would cause this to take place in her life. Now, how many know that a virgin becoming pregnant is an unheard of thing? And which, by the way, that only happened once, okay? That doesn't happen any other time. There is only one man born of a virgin. His name is Jesus Christ because he is from God. God has made that means and made that available to us. It is God's doing. But when we allow God's word, when we put our trust in God's word, it causes us to live a life that is unusual, a life that isn't just common and ordinary. We're to be set apart and different. If, if our world does this, How many know that if that's the world's way of doing it, God wants us to do it different. God wants us to do it his way. If everybody talks in the office about everybody, and when when that certain person isn't around, everybody talks about that certain person, if that's what everybody does, how many know that doesn't mean we have to be everybody? If everybody makes those decisions, if everybody does those things, we're not the people who have to be like everybody, that we ought to take a step and move in a pattern that we might be of the world, but we don't have to live like the world. We shouldn't allow and adopt the same measures or the same things that the, that the world does in our way of thinking, our way of understanding and reasoning, that there should be an unusual way about us, that we should be different, moved by what is on the inside to affect what is on the outside, that we need to be people who are different, that what God is doing in our lives is causing us to respond different. We, we need to be people who are graceful, unusual. Let me give you number three. We need to be people who are faithful. Now, when I say faithful, I, I recognize that faithful means to, be, to stay on track faithfully, to stay on course, remain on course. But how many have found out sometimes to remain on course, you've got to keep causing your faith to be built up? There are times you don't know if you ought to keep going because it doesn't feel like it's working, but you need faith to come in and encourage you and to keep on going. How many have ever needed to be encouraged? Those of you who have never needed to be encouraged, I don't know what you have going for you. You've got never needed encouragement. But we've all needed encouragement. We've all needed something along the way to help us keep, uh, keep this pace and to do what God has called us to do, to stay faithful. If we're going to remain on the course, we've got to keep our faith built up. I love what Mary, what's said of Mary. The Bible says that Mary was encouraged and doesn't tell us directly that way. But notice the angel. The angel says to Mary that you are going to conceive a child. And Mary says, how is this going to happen? You ever had those moments where you said to God, you said, God, I know your word says that you're my healer. But this report I just got right now, how is this going to happen? God, I know you said that you're my provider, but the circumstance that I'm in, I don't see how this is going to happen. Have you ever been in a life moment where you said, God, I don't see how this is going to happen? God, I don't know how this is going to work. I know you said this, but what I'm seeing right now, these aren't lining up. How will this happen? And the angel said, the Lord will make it happen, that the the Spirit of God will come upon you. And I love what Gabriel says next. He says, in fact, 
or what is more, on top of all that, your cousin Elizabeth, your cousin Elizabeth, who they used to say is too old, she's never had kids, she'll never have kids, your too old barren cousin Elizabeth, she is now six months pregnant, your cousin Elizabeth is six months pregnant, and Mary is hearing these words, and notice this is where the angel says, because nothing is impossible with God. Mary is hearing what's happening in Elizabeth's life, and what's happening in Elizabeth is building faith in Mary to say, let it be according to your word. I love this picture. An, an older barren woman has become encouragement to a young virgin woman. That the older barren, once barren woman has now become an encouragement. Why? Because God will use those things in our lives to help our faith be built up. We need some older people to be an encouragement to the younger to let them see how good our God is to declare how good God is because when Mary heard those words your cousin who they said will never have a child is now pregnant and then here's for nothing is impossible with God how many know that became a build for her that said I can trust God I can believe God that we've got to share the things that the Lord is doing that we've got to hold on to the promises of God we've got to be encouraged ourselves, and we've got to encourage other people and be encouraged by what God is doing in other people so that our faith might remain full and that we might show the signs that when we are full of faith, when we allow that encouragement, that that is a sign of godliness, that we're faithful, that we're knowing that God is able to bring about what he promises in our life. We need to be encouraged. Listen, you don't always feel encouraged, but even when you're not encouraged, when you are having, when godliness is at work inside of us, we know where we need to go to get encouraged. I want to say that again. I might not always feel encouraged, but because of godliness being produced in my life, I know where to go to be encouraged. That I go to the word of God. I go to brothers and sisters, relationships to hear and to be encouraged, to be built up. We, we've got to be graceful. We've got to be unusual. We've got to be faithful. Let me give you this last sign I want to look at tonight, and that is humble. If we're going to have signs of godliness... I'm going to ask the worship team to come and help us close tonight. But if we're going to have signs of godliness, signs of godliness, it starts with walking like God. Is there someone you need to practice in giving grace to? Someone that needs grace because, listen, godliness is not first about doing the right thing before it is loving people the right way. Grace. It takes grace, and we've got to be people who are full of grace. We've got to be people who represent being unusual. We don't do things the world does the way the world does. I don't want to raise a home the way the world raises a home. I don't want to do things just the way it's been done. Teenager, don't have a dating relationship the way the world dates. Don't. Do things the way the world does it. Allow God's word to direct your heart and be unusual. Unusual. Obviously, we live in a world where it's unusual to keep yourself unto God until the night of your marriage to someone. That's unusual in our world. But how many know the ways of God? They might be unusual. He blesses. It might be unusual to, to not take advantage of 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 circumstances and situations might be unusual might be unusual to not try and cheat out your employer try and 
get a little more time, a little more money. It might be unusual to not do such things. But how many know that when we honor God, we wanted to do the things that are honorable to God. That godliness begins to come forth. We've got to be graceful, unusual, faithful. Build up in our faith. Build up in your faith. It comes through the word of God. And lastly, we need to be humble. Humble. Notice the Bible says that Mary says, how can this work? How is this going to happen? I, I want to hear your words that you're going to use me to bring hope to this world. But here's the problem. I am a virgin. In the flesh, that doesn't work. But the angel said, that's not a problem. Because God who is greater and in control of all things is going to overshadow you with his power. And his power is going to create from your flesh something far greater. That his power, he's going to overshadow you. Listen, in order for something to be overshadowed, it means it needs to stand in the light of something that is greater. That God's power is greater. Do you know tonight that God's power is greater than your limitation? Notice only two things, Mary, two, converse, two parts of the, this conversation Mary has. The angel does all the talking from what we just read. The first part, though, Mary says, how can this be? I'm a virgin. There's a problem. My inability here, there's a, there's a limitation. I'm a virgin. How can this happen? But then notice, she ends up saying, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be unto me according to what your word says. Notice she went from emphasizing what her limitations were. And she went to another side saying, no, my limitation is I'm a virgin. Yeah. Yeah, there's a limitation there, obviously. But she said, I am the Lord's servant. Do you know what she did when she said, I'm the Lord's servant? She came to a place and she brought herself before God. She said, God, I don't understand all your ways. I don't know what you, how you're doing, what you're doing. But this I know, I am yours. I belong to you. And the moment she surrendered herself to God, God caused the ordinary to give way to extraordinary things. Mary, Mary then for the next nine months began to show signs of being pregnant. And on that certain day, she did the rare thing that has never been done before. She gave birth. Now, I'm being facetious. Now, I realized the son that she gave birth to was not ordinary. But the process that she underwent, how many would agree with me, it was ordinary. What did she do? She gave birth. But notice this. What was ordinary in giving birth was done so by the power of God. And then ordinary process gave way to something extraordinary or to someone. How many know what I'm talking about? 
what I'm wanting to say to you tonight is Mary didn't do anything special. Now, I know you're like, oh, she was a special. Absolutely, she was. But she willingly allowed herself or, or gave herself, made herself available to carry the Son of God. But the process that she went through was giving birth. There are other women here who have done the process of what Mary went through. There are those that are here tonight who have given birth. That's what Mary did. But it was what she submitted herself to. And because of what she submitted to, the ordinary common thing gave way to something great. What I'm saying to you is you don't have to do something great. You've just got to be willing to say to God, God, I want you to, I want to serve you in my workplace. I'm going to serve you in my home. I'm going to serve you. I don't need to go start a ministry. I just need to honor God in what I'm doing. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5 that Peter and the apostles were seeing so many miracles. And it was news spreading about all the miracles. Do you know what people did? The the Bible said there were many sick people in the city. And in Acts chapter 5, it says they knew the, the route that Peter would walk. And so they would bring their sick people, friends and family members, and they would line them along the street so that Peter's shadow could be cast on them. They saw the power. They saw what was in Peter. They said there's a power and a presence of God. There's something great that is coming from him. We want to get close to his shadow. We need a world that begins to cast the glory and the presence of God. That the world says, I need to get close to what's going on in that person. I I see what's coming out of them. And I want to get close to them. And how many know, Peter, it wasn't about him. Peter said, the closer you get to me, you stand right where I am, you'll just recognize that together we're standing in the shadow of the one who is greater. That you might be standing, my shadow may have attracted you, but when you get here, you're going to recognize all I am is standing in the shadow of the one who is great, the one who is Jesus, the one who is mighty, the one who is Lord. Yeah, give him praise tonight. That our world needs to hear, not just hear, but see godliness break through. And when godliness breaks through, they lined up the sick people. Notice, what did Peter do? He just walked back and forth. Peter didn't hold some major crusade or do some fancy event. They just knew his his route, that they knew he passes this way every day at this time. Peter was just faithful in how he did life. They said there's something about that man. He always walks to the temple at this time. So if you're sick, bring your sick family out here because his shadow's going to come upon. All we need to do is not make a big banner. It's not make a big fuss and a big scene. All we need to do is do the common and the ordinary in a godly way. And when we do the common and ordinary in a godly way, God will cause it to produce an uncommon and unordinary, extraordinary event and effect in our life. You just be godly. Just allow godliness to break the surface. You just keep walking faithfully before God. He's going to put people in your path that you're able to share the hope of Jesus Christ with. This is the journey that we're on that we say to God, God, I want to be at a place where we allow you to work in our lives, that we're on a journey, and it's all of this that we want to show signs to our world. Amen? Do you agree with that tonight?